kingdom. It's been a good series so far. We've looked at Jesus as the perfect prophet, the one who speaks truth from God and with all of authority. We've also looked at Jesus, our great high priest, the one who intercedes on our behalf and who ushers us into the presence of God on, his, on the basis of his own sacrifice. And last week, Pastor Jason talked about Jesus, the Son of Man, who has come to uh, not only identify with all of humanity, but will one day judge and one day stand in authority over all of humanity, all of creation. And today we're come to this notion of Jesus as servant. Jesus the servant. Uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 53 describes the Messiah that would come, this Jesus, the one, the Savior of the world, who would be known as the suffering servant. And through his sufferings and through his turmoil and all that he had taken upon himself, that he would serve all of humanity and bring about restoration and peace and actually pave a way for life and eternity with God. That the sufferings of the suffering servant would pave a way for us to have our life aligned with him and forgiven and in, under his grace. We spoke a whole lot about the sufferings of Jesus in our Violent Grace series leading up to Easter, so we're not going to take a whole lot of time in that this morning. But this morning we want to zero in on the focus, or focus in on the idea of Christ the servant. Christ the servant. The passage that, read, that Jen read for us earlier from Philippians chapter 2 describes Jesus as one who has humbled himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, leading an obedient Life, even obedience to death on a cross. And in his humbling and in his servanthood, his name has been exalted above all names. That Jesus, in the servanthood of Jesus, he demonstrates the nature of the kingdom of God. The one that is not self-promoting and one that's not self-inflated, but one that is self-giving. One that is self-releasing. One that is uh, going after how we can serve and care for those around us. And we live in a culture that is not that way. And this is not a generational thing. It's not an issue of kind of a knocking one generation after another because this is a culture as we live in, gener- uh, in general terms that we live in a culture that is aligned more along the lines of entitlement and what I can get from people. What's in it for me? And I, uh, you're there to serve me. You're there to meet my needs. And if I'm somehow forced or twist my arm to serve in some fashion or form, then I'll just do the bare minimum to get by. I'll do just, just enough to skate by to say that I've done my ob- obligatory duty, but not actually learning to serve. And when I've thought about this notion, this kind of aspect this week, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about it, and I can't get myself away from a movie that's a, uh, about 15 or 16 years old now. It's a little older movie where the character in the movie, Joanna, who's played by Jennifer Aniston, just wants to do the bare minimum in her job. She just wants to get by. And just so you know, I just wanted to show you a clip. So let's roll this clip of this and we'll see where we can go. Joanna, could you come here a minute, please? Yeah. I'm sorry, I was late. I was, uh, I was having lunch and I... Um, we need to talk about your flair. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, I will. Well, okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum. Or, uh, well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today, okay? Mm. A terrific smile. Okay, so you, you want me to wear more? <laughs> Look, Joanna, yeah. people can get a cheeseburger anywhere, okay? They come to tchotchkes for the atmosphere and the attitude. 
Okay, that's what the flare's about. It's about fun. Yeah. Okay, so more than, yeah? <laughs> Look, we want you to express yourself, okay? Now, if you feel that the bare minimum is enough, then okay. But some people choose to wear more, and we encourage that, okay? You do want to express yourself, don't you? Y yeah. Okay, great, great. That's all I ask. Okay. Now, admittedly, that's that's mostly just for me because I love that. <laughs> I love that movie. So, and I should say as a disclaimer, uh, if you search out that movie and watch it, uh, I don't endorse everything in the movie. <laughs> There's things in there that I, I don't want you to think that I am, am for. But um, it is just funny. It, it's just, anyway, that's for me. As we look at Jesus, the servant, this morning as we try and understand him, we want to understand that Jesus uh, demonstrates a kind of servanthood that goes way beyond the minimum. He doesn't do enough to just get by. He doesn't just skate through. In kingdom servanthood is in going the extra mile. Kingdom servanthood is in loving, learning to love your neighbor as yourself. Learning to forgive, not the minimum, but beyond the minimum. It is a willingness to place yourself in the role of servanthood because you recognize the dignity in every person that you've locked eyes with, that they are a unique creation of the, of the Almighty God who bears his image, and because of that, it leads us to selflessly service. It pushes us against the, a, a culture that is uh, all about me and self-promoting and self-inflating and kind of uh, what's-in-it-for-me kind of culture. It pushes a, against that. And Christ-like kingdom servanthood is where it reflects the heart and the nature of God himself that is self-giving, that is one that is seeking to care for those where they are and meet their needs and to serve them and serve them well. So as we consider Jesus the servant this morning, let's pray together and then we'll unpack the scriptures. Jesus, we are humbled and in awe that you would clothe yourself in humanity, take the nature of a servant and lead an obedient life that we might live with you, that you might pave a way for us to live this kind of kingdom life right here and right now. And as we open up the scriptures this morning, I pray that you would teach us what you would have us to know about life in your kingdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the Gospel of Mark, the Newer Testament book of Mark, perhaps in more than anywhere else, describes Jesus as a servant, portrays him as a servant that has come to serve. And in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, and probably the, the central verses of the whole Gospel of Mark, writes this. Jesus called them together, his disciples together, and he says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. For even the Son of Man, he says, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We see with Jesus where he pushes against this self-promoting, what's-in-it-for-me kind of culture, and he willingly serves, and he gives his life away. And in the crucifixion, he tells the people, he says, you don't take my life, I willingly give it. You don't take this from me, I give it. 
In the person of Jesus as the servant, he willingly gives. He serves. He didn't come to be served in some kind of lord it over you kind of aspect, but he comes to serve and give his life as a ransom. So the first thing I want us to notice about Jesus, the servant, is I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't come just preaching and teaching. Jesus comes to do the work of God. He doesn't come to just teach and preach. He comes to do the work, to demonstrate, to actually get his hands dirty. Now he does teach and he does preach. And when he teaches and when he preaches, he does speak with authority, unlike anyone else. But notice that preaching and teaching is not enough. It's not an end in of itself. It's not just enough for Jesus to come and just kind of say a few nice things. He does the work because Christ the servant doesn't simply talk a good talk. Doesn't stand at a distance and kind of wave his fingers around there. But he gets his hand dirty. He comes near and he shows us, demonstrates, and he does the work of God the Father. He doesn't just talk about it. He ministers to people, comes alongside and ministers to people. In one episode of Jesus' life, he's approached by a man with leprosy, and he comes to Jesus, this man does, and he says, Jesus, if you are ever willing, you could make me clean. I know you can. And remarkably, Jesus responds this way in Mark chapter 1. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. He reached his hand out and touched him. See, it was very easy and Jesus had enough power and authority to just kind of wave his hand around and just kind of say, be clean. And he could have been clean. He had done that before. But Jesus reached his hand out and touched the man and says, I am willing. It's not just going to stand at a distance and talk a good talk and preach and to speak truth and those kind of things. He comes down and doesn't stand at a distance to kind of stay clean and, and separate from people, but he comes, he says, I am willing to do the work of God and to reach out and even touch that which was unclean. That would have separated him. That would have made him unclean and, and kind of chastised him. But he says, I am willing to do the work of God. I don't just stand at a distance and just kind of wave my hand out of here, but he comes near and he does the work. He doesn't just preach and teach, but the servant comes to do the will of the Father. And he comes and does it well. So I want you to see that Jesus doesn't just stand at a distance and Jesus as a servant doesn't just stand and talk a good talk, doesn't just preach and say some great sermons and some great wonderful things, but he does the work. A servant doesn't just talk, he does. She does. Second thing I want you to notice is that the servant of God will make sacrifices. A servant of God will make sacrifices. When Jesus came, he paid the ultimate price and a huge sacrifice just by leaving the throne room of heaven and clothing himself in humanity. He made a sacrifice. And he leads an obedient life, even obedient life all the way to death, experiencing all of our sufferings and pain and turmoil of this world on our behalf. And he takes all of that so that we might be forgiven and set free from a life entangled of sin and, and, and dominated by our own wretchedness. Put simply, if I could wrap that up real easily for you, Jesus lived a life where it was not about him. It wasn't about him. He laid aside all of his aspects of godhood and he took on humanity for our benefit and he says not my will but yours be done 
throughout all of the stories of Jesus, it's not about him for to get him to get self-promoting or him to be self-inflated or him to talk about all about him, how he's doing great things, but it's all about how he can give of himself, how he can lay down his life, how he can willingly serve and sacrifice for the benefit of others. And like I said, we talked all about that, about violent grace, so I don't get all into that details there. But uh, suffice it to say this morning that Christ-like serving will include some aspect of sacrifice. Christ-like serving will include some aspect of sacrifice, to sacrifice ourselves for the, another person's benefit. It means that we'll give up some of our time to serve in a place for them. It means giving up some of our space or even some of our resources in order to serve, to not just talk at a distance, but to notice the dignity in each person that we can lock eyes with and to humbly, selflessly serve and to walk alongside them to find their needs and to meet their needs. And it may indeed include sacrifice on our part. Which leads me to the third thing. I want us to notice about Christ, the servant. That whenever Christ serves, he, Christ, he serves out of love and out of concern, compassion. Jesus doesn't just go about doing the business of healing people super efficiently, just kind of lining them up and just healing them and people falling all over the place. He doesn't do that. He genuinely has concern over every person that walks around for, in front of him. And he sees what they need and he comes down to meet them. On one occasion, it was getting late, and he had, people had come to see Jesus and to hear him and to experience him and have him teach. And the disciples realized it was getting late, and so they kind of came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we got to dis dismiss these guys. Let them go get something to eat. Send them out to the villages and let them buy some food for themselves because I mean, it should be getting late. And Jesus, the Scripture says, moved with compassion and concern and love over them. He says, no, don't make them fend for themselves. You give them something to eat. Don't send them out of here. You take care of them. They've come here, so let's take care of them. Let's not just ignore their needs and shove them off to the next thing. Let's take care of them here. And then if you know the story, he miraculously feeds this multitude of people with just a small amount of food because he does the work. Can you see how Christ the servant doesn't just do the bare minimum? He doesn't just skate by, but he, he loves and concerns about every one of them. Every one of them. But in serving this way might get you in trouble. Because in serving this way got Jesus in trouble. In serving this kind of sacrificial love and concern and kind of for other people's benefit got Jesus in trouble. Because unlike Jesus, the leaders of the religious kind of inner circle of his day weren't really interested in, in loving and, and serving and caring for those people where they were. But they were interested in keeping the letter of the law. And making sure they knew who was in and who was out and who could be served and who could not be served and when could they be served and when they should not be served and all that various things. And unlike Jesus, they were kind of more concerned about the letter of the law and Jesus was more concerned about serving and giving his life. Humbly, willingly giving his life. And it got him in trouble. In Mark chapter 3, it says this. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them, meaning the religious leaders here, right? Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. He's about to make a, he's about to make a point here. 
Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or do evil? To save a life or to kill it? They remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Completely restored. Jesus, the servant, serves with genuine love and concern for the well-being of this man. It wasn't, it wasn't off limits on the Sabbath. It wasn't that Jesus said, well, I'd really like to help you, but it's my day off. So I need to relax today. It wasn't that, that Jesus was so concerned about keeping the letter of the law, he was moved with compassion, and it led him to sacrificial, willing service, to lay down his life, to serve Christ the servant. Now I recognize when I give a message like this, there's danger in this message. As I was thinking about this and, and kind of preparing for it, I recognize there's a, there's a danger of being misunderstood in a message like this. Because in our culture that seems to be so entangled with an entitlement, it's all about me kind of mentality. To speak of Jesus as servant, we might be tempted to think about Jesus and that he has come to simply meet our needs, to serve us wherever we have a need. As if the emphasis was on us. As if the emphasis is on us to get whatever we want. And he's there, after all, to serve us. He's there, after all, to give us whatever we choose. He's there to support us in whatever we want to do. Well, friends, that would be a grave mistake to think of Jesus that way. Let's not forget that this Jesus we speak about is the conquering king. He's not some schmuck who just lived 2,000 years ago. He is the son of the almighty God that we're talking about. He is the son of man who will stand and judge and make sure all of righteousness and all of goodness prevails. He is the perfect prophet who will speak authoritatively and whose words will cut through bone and marrow and will divide us and understand what is going on. He speaks truth on all subjects. He's not there simply to be our little errand boy, to do whatever we want. He's not there to just kind of do our, our bidding, but he is the Almighty the high priest who paid the perfect sacrifice because we are unable to do so. Let's not get any kind of misunderstandings about Jesus, our little errand boy who's there to just serve us however we want to. His servanthood is not there to just simply for our bidding. He's not there to just do whatever we choose. His servanthood demonstrates the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God, that the way of greatness, the way of oneness, the way of of power is not over power over but is in radical humility and servanthood he's demonstrating the way of the kingdom he's not just simply walking in to just do our own bidding so what does that mean for us if jesus is the servant the perfect servant again not for our own bidding but perfect servant and demonstrates the reality of the kingdom of god right here and right now what does that mean for us in our life with him well, it means, among other things, that we need to learn from him how to live selfless, hum uh, humble lives that are the way of the servant, where we live in humility, not self-promotion, but in self-giving. This is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in the passage that Jen read for us early in, in Philippians, where he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ and any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
Having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. And then he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That we ought to have the same kind of response. And so when we follow the, the way of Jesus the servant, then we need to learn to take up the mind of Christ. We need to push against a wave of entitlement where it's about me. And we need to learn to have a, an attitude of servanthood. Of, hum, of humility and, and of giving of ourselves. And perhaps this is a good place for us to start. To just simply ask the Lord to give us a new attitude about servanthood. To just simply ask the Lord to, to renew our mind about servanthood. To remind us that it's not about us. That it's not about me. It's not about you. Friends, the way of Jesus is the way of servanthood. And the way of the kingdom is not about self-promotion, but is the way of self-giving. And perhaps a good place for us to start is to simply ask the Lord to renew our mind and give us an attitude adjustment. Because we need it. We need it. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus goes recorded and going on with this. He says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, servanthood, kingdom servanthood, is the key to greatness. It's the key to greatness. It's not simply about talking about it. It's not simply about doing the bare minimum. It's not about just kind of walking past people and talking a good talk. It's about getting our hands dirty and actually serving, actually giving of ourselves for another's benefit. Some of you, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know what's commonly referred to as the fruit of the Spirit or evidence that the Spirit of God is working in your life to change your heart, to give you a, a transformation where these things are growing in your life where love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are growing in our life. That that is an evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And what I find fascinating about this fruit of the Spirit is that they only make sense in the context of how we live with one another. When the Holy Spirit gives us uh, uh, an, an increase of love, it's how we interact with one another that we demonstrate that. When he gives us an increase of patience or gentleness or self-control, it's how we interact with one another. It's how we serve one another. The demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit in our life makes sense in community where we live alongside one another. And our apprenticeship to Jesus will inevitably lead us down the path of, of serving. It has to. Serving around the church, serving in our families, serving in our communities, serving at work, serving at school, wherever we have found ourselves. If we apprentice ourselves and align ourselves under the kingdom of God and under the rulership and the leadership of Jesus, then our apprenticeship will inevitably lead us to the point of serving. It has to because Jesus is the servant. Do you see this? I just simply want to recognize, just to pause for a second and recognize that as a church body, over the last couple of weekends, close to 60 or 70 people have served in this community over the last couple of weekends. They've planted bushes and mulch, and they served a number of people yesterday, last night, or yesterday afternoon with spread the bread and thread. And they're simply learning to give our life away for other people. And apprenticeship will always lead us towards, towards servanthood. It will. And serving is more than just about getting the job done. 
It's more than just about giving food out. It's more than just about planting plants or spreading mulch. It's more than just about doing the bare minimum. It's more than just kind of twist my arm. I guess I'll have to show up on occasion. Serving is about following and becoming more and more like Christ, the servant. Serving in these kind of ways is not about just getting the job done because we have to. It's about becoming more like Christ, the servant. And our response to Jesus as our Lord and as our King and as the one we apprentice our life to is to push against a wave of our culture of entitlement of where it's about me and where I just kind of sit back and let someone else serve me and I follow the way of Jesus. And I pray that we would do that in increasing measure around here. Well, another response to Jesus as servant is that we would serve in anticipation of his return. We serve in anticipation of his return. Our Christian hope is founded and firmly established on the truth that Christ is risen. And he is risen indeed. And he has inaugurated his kingdom life right here and now. And one day he will return to eternally establish his kingdom rule on earth. That one day he will return. And until then, you and I, as apprentices to Jesus, ought to operate in this world as he would operate in this world. We are his ambassadors. We are his representation. We are his church. We are his people. And as ambassadors of Christ in this world, we ought to operate in this world as he would operate until he returns and firmly establishes his good kingdom on this earth. On this earth. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus says it this way about the end. He says, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard and be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or even at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Do not let him find you sleeping. Friends, as followers of Jesus, you and I have been given the task to not just talk about God, not just preach a good word, but we've been given the task to do the work, to continue the work of God until he returns. Let us not Allow him to find us sleeping. But let's get busy about the work of God. So as we've considered Jesus the servant this morning, as we've thought about his life and what that means for us, perhaps there's a place that you feel called to serve. A place that you feel called in the church or at work or in your family. A place that you are being called to serve somewhere. And perhaps if you're honest, and, and you didn't want to admit this in front of everybody, and I won't make you, but if you're being honest in your own heart of hearts for a while now, you've just been doing the bare minimum. Just enough to get by. Just enough to get someone off your back. Can I encourage you to grow in your servanthood? Wherever Christ has called you to serve, can I encourage you to grow in your servanthood there? May I, can I encourage you to find one person this week one area this week that you can just simply bless them through your service. Not because you're forced to, not because you're twisted your arm to, but can you just learn to grow in your servanthood this week? To move past the bare minimum and learn to bless someone through your act of service this week. Could I ask you to grow there this week? 
And when we grow and when we walk in the ways of Christ the servant, may we understand who he is and the kingdom that he's come to establish. Through his radical humility and servanthood, he shows us the way to greatness. And may we receive the life that he is experiencing or invited us to experience. To not stay at a safe distance, but to draw near, get our hands dirty enough to see a need and to meet the need of someone this week. To bless someone by your act of service. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are humbled in awe and speechless about your servanthood. The way you demonstrate the kingdom for us. The way you demonstrate a way that we can follow after. Father, I pray for courage and the ability to follow your ways this week. To see you as a servant. And may you empower us to follow abundantly. It's in your name we pray. Amen.